Good morning, everyone. It's great to be here with you all today. Um, so as Jenny said, our first reading is going to be from Jonah, and we're going to read chapter 1, verse 17, to chapter 2, verses 10. If you'd like to follow along on your pew Bibles, that one's on page 1,323. So Jonah chapter 1, verse 17. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord God. He said, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You held me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols Turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. And now we'll read from Matthew chapter 12, verse 38 to 41. And that is on page... 1,391 of the Pew Bibles. Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. He answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but none will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now something greater than Jonah is here. Thanks, Rach. Well, please keep your Bibles open uh, to the passage in Jonah today uh, as we walk through it. It'll be good to be able to refer back to God's Word. Uh, do you know the band, the Newsboys? Uh, not the new American Newsboys, the proper Aussie Newsboys. Uh, they started on, on the Sunshine Coast uh, in the 80s, and they were my favourite band growing up. Uh, and they have this song called In the Belly of the Whale. Uh, I wonder if any of you can work out what that song might be about. Uh, it's this amusing take on Jonah's days in God's big fish. And while the song still makes me chuckle, there's one line in it that really captures chapter 2 of Jonah. Uh, the lead singer Peter says, The good Lord grants we all get a ch second chance. Uh, I've heard this song countless times before, but that line never ceases to amaze me. Uh, because we have this prophet, Jonah, He's disobedient, 
and he goes his own way. He spends the whole first chapter of the book running from God's call. He accepts God's judgment as he's cast into the sea. And just as he is about to give up, God gives him a second chance. That's the message of Jonah chapter 2. God is merciful as Jonah turns back and delivers Jonah from death. And as we saw last week, Jonah's the prophet that represents Israel. And he's the prophet that represents us. We are go-your-own-way people. We're deserving of God's just judgment. Chapter 2 begins as a glimpse at that judgment because Jonah compares his experience to dying. He goes all the way down to the grave. He's separated from God. But in his death-like experience, he turns back to God. And God is merciful not only to save Jonah from death, but to raise him to a new kind of life. Let's pray as we begin to look at God's word together. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for your scripture and the mercy of you that we see in it and the mercy that your words are to us. We pray that as we uh, look at your word today that we would just have our hearts open to hear what you are trying to teach us. We pray this in your name. Amen. Uh, The passage begins as God is merciful to Jonah. God delivers Jonah from death with a miraculous fish. It's there in chapter 1, verse 17. God provides a huge fish, it swallows Jonah, and Jonah is in its belly for three days and three nights. There's a lot going on in that one verse, isn't there? But when we break it down, it all starts to make sense. Firstly, God provides... We sometimes assume that God is punishing Jonah by having a fish swallow him whole. It's actually the opposite. The fish is a sign of God's mercy. In Jonah's prayer, he details his drowning. And as his life is leaving him, he remembers God. And just as he remembers God, God is merciful to deliver him from death. God provides a way for Jonah to be saved from the jaws of death. The second thing we see is that that God provides Jonah a fish. Now, there's been plenty of discussion about God's big fish over the years. Uh, People want to rationalise how exactly this fish works. But here's the thing about this chapter. It's actually not about the fish. Uh, Just as Jonah has said in chapter 1... We believe in a God who created everything. We believe in a God who just last chapter was controlling the winds and the waves. And he even controls a fish. God is a God of miraculous mercy. He he performs the miracle of providing a fish that saves Jonah's life. So so don't get caught up rationalising God's big fish. God does the impossible to save his people from death. The third thing we see is that Jonah is swallowed and he's there for three days and three nights. It's oddly specific, isn't it? Uh, The Old Testament scholar George Landis did a really helpful study on how the original readers would have understood these three days and three nights. Some of his insights are that firstly, in the Old Testament, all throughout it, there's pictures of three days and it describes the time it takes to go on a long journey. 
Uh, secondly, in the ancient world, death is considered permanent only when a body shows no signs of life for three days. And finally, uh, there was a cultural understanding that it took three days to descend to the realm of the dead. Uh, Jonah's delivered from death by the belly of a fish. And as he sits there in the fish, he gets a glimpse of just how merciful God has been. Because Jonah realises what it would have been like if he died. Jonah's eyes are opened to God's miraculous mercy. Uh, Moments of mercy can change lives. Uh, Isn't that the story of Jean Valjean? Uh, Isn't that a really classic case in Les Miserables? Sorry, uh, we're not up to this slide yet. If we can just go back back to blank screen. Uh, The bishop in uh, in Jean's story, he's a peasant. Uh, Jean's a peasant. He goes to the bishop and he asks for some food. The bishop provides him with some food and a place to rest his head. The bishop uh, rests his head, he goes and sleeps, and while the bishop's sleeping, Jean steals his silverware. As Jean runs away, uh, he's caught and arrested for stealing. But as the bishop catches up with him, he gives him candlesticks as well. Jean is floored by this bishop's mercy His heart is changed and he lives a different way because moments of mercy can change lives. And isn't God's mercy so much greater than silver candlesticks? God's mercy saves Jonah's life. It opens Jonah's eyes to God's miraculous mercy. Let's ask ourselves, are our eyes open to God's mercy? In Christ Jesus, God's miraculous mercy for us is on full display. Do we respond to it as we should? Uh, Next, Jonah begins his prayer to God. He begins by reflecting on how far down he's descended. And he explains that he's died a kind of death. It's there in verse 2. Jonah says, from deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help. And again in verse 6, to the roots of the mountains I sank down, the earth barred my life in forever. And he intertwines his journey to the realm of the dead with water imagery. It's there in verses 3 and 5, Jonah goes down into the depths, surrounded by waters. They threaten his life. It's a vivid picture of his drowning descent. Because from the start of the story, Jonah has gone down to Joppa. He's gone down to the bottom of a boat, down into a sleep, and then down into the ocean. And now Jonah is down in the realm of the dead. There is no further that he can go down. The realm of the dead can also be translated literally as the belly of Sheol. And it seems odd at first because Jonah hasn't really died. But God is teaching Jonah a lesson. From the belly of a fish, Jonah gets a glimpse of the belly of Sheol. Uh, But what was the understanding of Sheol for the original Hebrews readers? Uh, Well, if we can bring that picture back up, this is how uh, the Hebrews originally thought of the universe. Uh, Now, don't worry if you can't read the text. The big important thing is that picture Uh, just in the middle there. Uh, Sheol was a place where the dead descended to. It was under the earth 
and the earth separated them from God. Uh, pictures of Sheol come up all throughout the Old Testament and particularly in the Psalms. If we can bring up the next slide, we'll see that it's described as a pit where the dead are held captive. It's a place of silence, a place of darkness. It has locked gates, but it's not an escape from God. And Jonah combines the pictures of Sheol with water imagery. Many Psalms combine the distress of near-death experience with pictures of water. We see that particularly in Psalm 69. David writes this Psalm to express his distress as he cries out for help. He pleads with God to save him because water is up to his neck. He's sinking into the depths. The floods will soon engulf him. And as the waters engulf Jonah, well, pardon the pun, but all these passages come flooding back to him. He uses the words he knows so well to explain his perilous position. He describes it in such a way as to bring us down into the depths with him and show us what it's like. He's descended into the depths. It's interesting, though, how he says, you held me into the depths, isn't it? Last chapter, he was saying uh, to to the sailors to throw me overboard. But now he's saying, God, you threw me overboard. But this isn't Jonah blaming God for his plight. It's actually Jonah acknowledging God's just and sovereign judgment over his behaviour. The waves begin to close Jonah in like bars on gates. There's no escape from Jonah's fate. The earth bars him in forever, and just as his life is fading, he remembers God. And he wakes up in the pit of a fish stomach. It's silent. It's pitch black. He can't escape. But he can meet God there. Jonah knows he isn't dead, but he's entombed at the bottom of the sea in the belly of a fish. And it's there he realises what it's like to be entombed at the bottom of the earth in the belly of Sheol. It's in the darkness that God's mercy comes to light. Because God could have just saved Jonah from death, but that wouldn't have changed Jonah's heart. So God mercifully performed a miracle. It's a miracle that saves Jonah's life, and it's a miracle that teaches Jonah to turn back to the God of mercy. Uh, When I was younger, I really liked to be the boss. Uh, I'm the oldest in my family. Yes, I'm a twin, but I'm the oldest one. I was born first. Uh, I remember my brother and sister used to get annoyed at my bossiness. Uh, Now, my parents could have just said, stop being bossy, but they took it as an opportunity to teach me. Uh, They pointed me to Jesus. They told me what it's like to be more humble. There were days where it was a painful lesson, but I'm glad my parents were patient and merciful to me. I'm glad they used my weakness to point me to God. And just as my parents were merciful and patient to teach me humility, God is merciful and patient to teach Jonah to turn back to him. 
our Heavenly Father is merciful to teach us. But when we come before him, are we teachable? When we hear his word, are we prepared to be taught? Because God's merciful lessons should change our lives. Uh, Then Jonah tells his story of turning back. Uh, After his long descent down, Jonah turns back to God and God's mercy is immediate. It's there in verse 2. He says, I called to the Lord and he answered me. I called for help and you listened to my cry. In Jonah's moment of distress, at his lowest point, when his fate seems certain, he looks to God. He remembers God and calls out to him and God answers. Now, it seems a bit odd from our perspective, doesn't it? One moment, Jonah is turned away, running away from God. God judges him and he's thrown into the sea. And the next, he's swallowed by a big fish. And now Jonah is saying that I called to the Lord and you answered? Is Jonah claiming credit for God's actions? Well, no, he's not. He's praising God from inside the fish and remembering his experience. He actually perfectly follows the pattern of a psalm of thanksgiving. The pattern of the thanksgiving psalm goes like this. It starts with an introductory statement of the reason for the psalmist's thankfulness. It reflects on the psalmist's distress. Then there's a cry for help. And then then the psalmist praises God for his deliverance. That's the pattern Jonah follows. He introduces the psalm by saying he called and God answered. He then reflects on his near-death drowning experience. He cries for help and he praises God for his deliverance. And so from the psalm, the timeline actually begins to make sense. God in his mercy prepares a fish. The fish is to swallow Jonah and save his life when Jonah turns back. And just as Jonah realises what he's done, just as he realises he has no control over his fate, when all seems lost, that's the moment he turns back to God. Sure, he probably didn't verbally cry out, but he cried out with his heart. As Jonah's life is slipping away, he looks back to God and throws himself on God's mercy. And God's mercy is immediate. God grabs Jonah out of his watery grave and brings him back up. See there in verse 6, Jonah says, The earth beneath had barred him in forever, and when he sees no way back from the realm of the dead, he says, But you, Yahweh my God, have brought my life up from the pit. After refusing to turn to Yahweh all of last chapter, Now Jonah is enamoured in God's mercy. He's enraptured by God's power. It's what Jonah describes. It's a kind of resurrection. Because remember, the pit is Sheol. Jonah doesn't say he was dying. He says that he's already in the realm of the dead. But he turns back to God. And God comes down and lifts him out of the pit. And now it sounds a little bit weird to our ears, doesn't it? To describe Jonah's experience as a death and resurrection. But you know how with technologies we use the term light? Like there's some technologies that they're not quite the full thing, so they're the light version. 
the Nintendo Switch Lite isn't really the full-fledged version of a Nintendo Switch. Well, Jonah's death and resurrection, they're death light and resurrection light. It's not the full thing, but in them, God reveals his deep mercy and his absolute power. God can even save us from death and raise us back up to new life. And the right response is to praise God. That's what Jonah does in verses 8 and 9. He says, The people who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love. But he declares, I, with grateful praise, will sacrifice to you and will make good on what I have vowed. Uh, Jonah uses two incredibly important words as he praises God. Uh, the first one is worthless, which is the Hebrew word hebel. Some of you may remember it from Ecclesiastes. It's the word that's used all throughout Ecclesiastes. It means fleeting. The things that we cling to that won't last. And Jonah uses uh, the word hesed. It's God's love. Hesed is the word for God's covenant love and faithfulness. God's faithfulness to his covenant promises are guaranteed. God's hesed is permanent. It never stops. It never fails. Jonah is saying, people who hold on to the fleeting things of this world, they turn their back on God's permanent and eternal faithfulness to them. Jonah's fleeting idol was himself. And he turns his back on God's covenant faithfulness to him. But Jonah turns back. After going his own way, Jonah declares he will turn back to God. He will praise God. He'll come good on his promises to God. And the last two lines, they're the climax of the book so far. Jonah says, I will say salvation comes from Yahweh. And Yahweh commands the fish to raise Jonah up. And it spits him back onto dry land. In chapter 1, Jonah's refused to say salvation comes from Yahweh. But in the pit of the fish's stomach, he sees salvation comes from Yahweh alone. He says he will now declare that as he has been called to. In a way, Jonah really has died because he's died to a part of himself. The selfish go-your-own-way attitude. And he's raised to a new life of going God's way. And now, it would be wrong of me to just leave it there, to make it seem like Jonah's raised as some perfect person totally fixed of his arrogance, because over the next couple of weeks, we'll see that that's not the case. And as you read Jonah's prayer of thanksgiving, it's missing something, isn't it? Because although he turns back to God, he never says sorry for what he's done. His life is changed. He praises God but he never apologises for his sin. I reckon if Jonah had properly repented, he would have been delivered up to dry land in a kind of nicer way than being vomited out. But it's another sign of God's deep mercy to Jonah. Jonah is still a selfish, sinful human. But God's merciful to Jonah. God's still repulsed by sin. But Jonah... All he does is look back to God and God comes all the way down to the pit and rescues him from death. 
God doesn't reward Jonah with a pleasant resurrection, but simply because Jonah has looked to God, God does the rest and raises Jonah up to a new way of life. God does the same for us. As our hearts turn back to God, he comes and he meets us where we are. He's faithful to raise us up to new life. We don't have to come to God as perfect, fully formed people because we can't. But we can all come to God just as we are. And he's faithful to meet us there. Because God is faithful to deliver anyone who turns to him from death to life. And God's faithfulness to deliver people from death to life while it's here in Jonah, it's revealed completely in the Lord Jesus, isn't it? In fact, the Lord Jesus says so himself in Matthew 12. The Pharisees ask for a sign, which is a bit weird because Jesus has just cast a demon out of a man. And Jesus says the only sign that you'll get is the sign of Jonah. What is the sign of Jonah? Well, Jesus says it's Jonah in the belly of the fish. Just as Jonah was there for three days and nights, Jesus will go down into the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. Jonah dies a kind of death. Jesus really dies. Jonah is revealing what Sheol is like. The Lord Jesus goes down and rips off its gates. Jesus takes power over the grave. Jonah is raised to new life and he preaches that salvation comes from the Lord. Christ Jesus is resurrected from the dead and becomes salvation for his people. The sign of Jonah is that God has the power over the grave. Death is not the final word. God raises anyone that turns to him to new life. At that message, Jesus says that Nineveh repented. Because what more could they need? In Jonah, God declares his mercy to everyone, Jew and Gentile. He shows his mercy to resurrect all who turn to him. But Jonah's just a glimpse of the real thing. Jonah goes on a descent to death. Jonah turns to God and and God raises him from death. And Jonah's sign points to God's deep mercy that is fulfilled in the Lord Jesus. Because Christ's death and resurrection, it's the once for all sacrifice that covers over sin. And it guarantees God's faithfulness to give anyone new life who turns to him. God is merciful to give us his son. Have you received it? Have you turned to God and trusted in Christ for your forgiveness? And perhaps you feel unworthy to come before God. Perhaps you've wronged God and, and you feel like you can't receive his mercy again. Maybe you don't feel like you've got all the answers to be able to come before God. But God just calls us to turn to him. And when we turn to him, he meets us with the fullness of his mercy. Through Christ Jesus, even in our weakness, we can come before God. And God is merciful to forgive us and to restore us. So let's turn back to God, ask for his forgiveness and put our trust in Jesus.
Uh, For others of us, uh, we're clinging on to the fleeting pleasures of life. Now, ask yourself, am I clinging on to fleeting pleasures rather than to the permanent love of God? Uh, Maybe you're clinging to control over your life. Maybe you're seeking validation in a relationship or friends or family. Perhaps you're clinging to all the things that life has to offer, money, possessions, a comfortable life. Because we all struggle with clinging to fleeting pleasures of life. But when we do, we turn away from God's love. So if that's you, turn back to God and praise him for your salvation. And finally, let's ensure that we are teachable. Are we open to God changing our lives through his word? Uh, Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time and you're at the stage where you feel like you've learned all there is to learn. Perhaps you're someone who's actually feeling a bit overwhelmed about all there is to learn and you just don't know how you'll learn it all. But God is merciful to teach us about himself. He's merciful to teach us about ourselves. So let's come before the Lord God every day. Let's be people who are prepared to be shaped and taught by him all the days of our life. And as we keep going God's way, let's praise God for his mercy to provide us with the Lord Jesus as a guarantee of eternal life with him. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the sign of Jonah that we know that you guarantee that you will raise us from the dead when we turn to you. And we thank you that you fulfilled that promise in the Lord Jesus. We pray that we would cling to that all the days.